the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I had one of the most beautiful handshakes um, from Pam Jenkins, who is uh, about to speak to you uh, from J-Bach Ministry. She just, she just grabbed my hand, gently yet firmly, and just like caressed it. And I just looked at her and I felt, wow, wow, this is such a beautiful woman. And, and then I'm like, oh, you're Pam. You're, wow, you're Pam. <laughs> I am so thrilled that you're going to get to come up and bless. I, w- I want you to go shake everybody's hand so they can understand <laughs> just how great that was. So I can only imagine what's going to happen when we get blessed, blessed right now by Pam J. Buck. Uh, Pam is the author and the teacher of the Virtuous Bible Study. She is a woman after God's own heart. Her life is the story of the love of God that has brought her through great tragedy, rejection, abuse, and failure, testifying of the saving and the sufficient power and grace of Jesus Christ, no doubt. Man, if she can say that in a handshake, I can only imagine what she is going to say to you today. On behalf of Faith Talk Atlanta and 104.7 The Fish, for all of you women in ministry at this lunch, I introduce to you Pam, J- Pam Jenkins from J-Bach Ministries. Can you hear me? We have a surprise for you. I'm sorry. I'm a, I've had sugar. I've had sugar. And so when they said it in front of me, I know I shouldn't have sugar before I speak because I'm already kind of a maniac. So, but I've had sugar. Um, if I fall off the stage today, no worries. I shall rise again. They've told me, be careful. My, the Jaybok team, the wonderful ladies, they warned me, please don't get to the edge because I like to get to the edge because I want to be close to you. Before, it's such an honor to be here, and I want to thank um, just the great people at Salem that make all of this happen. Um, you couldn't ask for a better group of folks. They work so hard, so diligently in the background. I wanted God, I want us to invite God into our setting. He's already here. But I, I, I want him to know in a verbal way, in an expression of grace and love, that we invite him to come. And so some, some ladies that are very dear to my heart from the Agape Princess House, if you haven't been out there, they're a sister ministry of Jabach, And in the Potter's House, they have a dancer and, um, that joins the team of Agape Princess House. And they're going to dance an opening worship song before we open God's Word together. How would you like that? Okay, so y'all come on. Some of you are ministry directors or founders or leaders. Some of you are pastor's wives. You're serving in your communities and your churches. You're serving in your homes. You're serving in your jobs. And I applaud you today. I thank you for what you do. We're living, I don't don't think that we would have any arguments if I were to say this phrase to you today. We're living in dark times. We're living in perilous times, and we're living in times that God is not accepted anymore. God is rejected. God is rejected. It's a very dark time. But from the very beginning of time, no matter what has happened, no matter what will happen tomorrow, God has only given one answer, one answer for the darkness, one answer, and that's Jesus Christ. And in him, 
In Him, we have the light. It doesn't matter if the darkness is around us, below us, above us. It doesn't matter. The answer is still the same. If we were to travel back several thousand years, we would find a time in the history of God's people where the times were very, very dark. Not because God had abandoned his people, but because God's people had abandoned him. They had turned away. They had turned away from the living God. And this account finds for us, it's reading, it's telling for us in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. When a man steps out of the shadows, and he is basically an unknown, and his name was Elijah. There was a king by the name of Ahab reigning on the throne of Israel. He had bad taste in women. He married a woman by the name of Jezebel. We all know her name, don't we? None of us would name our children that because of her reputation, because of what she stands for in the scriptures. God's word tells us that King Ahab did more evil than all the other kings before him. He tore down the altars of God. God's altars are only lowered because another has been raised above it. God's altars were torn down and so hated was God that they sought to kill all the prophets In the times that you are all out there ministering right now, we're living in those times where Christians are persecuted for their faith. They're persecuted right here in our own country. And so this was the time of God's people. And there there were no boundaries. There were no holy standards. People were doing whatever they wanted to do, whatever brought them gratification. And they mocked the living God. They mocked the living God. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes a man. And this is what we read in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishabite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. We're not told anything about this man. He's an unknown. And you know, in ministry, you can worry sometimes. You can come up to a platform or you can meet people or God calls you to a task and you think, well, I'm an unknown. Elijah didn't come up with this grand reputation that people knew and said, oh, I've heard of him. Thousands have followed God because of his word. He had no reputation to precede him. No gifts or talents. He didn't have anyone to testify on his account. But yet he steps out with a message. He doesn't even take the time that we're told to introduce himself. He just says, as the Lord God lives. You may be living the way that you want to live, he was saying. And you may be living as if God is is dead. But God is not dead. God is surely alive. Don't you love that song? God's not dead. He's surely alive. What's he doing? Living on the inside, roaring like I cannot sing. I can give you a beat. But he's living on the inside. Elijah stepped out of the shadows nowhere. Now listen, he didn't read all these books. Listen, we have countless books on the shelves today that tell you how to engage as a speaker you got to connect with your audience. you got to share something personal. They have to know about you. You've got to be real. But yet, this is right the opposite of what Elijah did. He broke every public speaking rule there is. He stepped out. And he said, as the Lord God surely lives, the God whom I stand before. Do you know what Elijah was saying? Everything I do, I do before the face of God. Because he's not only a God who is alive, he's a God who sees. And he sees you. And he knows what you're doing. He didn't come in to command a judgment on them. He didn't come in and say, now listen, this is what you've done. You've built all these things and you've torn down the altars of God. And you've tried to kill all the prophets. Although Obadiah, if you know the story, had hid a hundred away and, and broke them up by 50. So two caves they were hiding. 
He steps out of the shadows and he gives these words, it shall, there shall be no dew nor rain these some years. And we know the story, three and a half years. Can you imagine waking up and having no dew on the ground, let alone rain? And so he just disappears. God takes Elijah and he cloaks him in obscurity for three and a half years. But yet, while God has tucked this man of God, a man who had God's heart, while he tucked him away for three and a half years, he's still being used, used mightily of God. If you read 1 Kings chapter 17, you'll see that. He raised the widow's son back to life. He caused her oil and flour not to run dry. God fed him. He commanded the ravens to feed him. And so God was still using this mighty man, but he hid him. And you see, when he stepped out and he gives this word from God, when he gives this word from God, he doesn't want a name for himself. You see, we have to get this in ministry. We cannot be after a name for ourselves. We cannot be after a name for ourselves. He didn't say, fellas, blow the trumpet. Build a platform that I may stand upon it because I have something to say. I want you to hearken into my voice. He didn't even speak to the people. You know, Scripture says he said to Ahab. He speaks to the one in charge, the one held accountable. And as he goes away, they didn't give him much thought. But as we read on in Scripture... We find out in, in 1 Kings chapter 18 that all of a sudden, that little man that said it's not going to rain except by my word, weeks, days turn into weeks, weeks into months, months into years, and all of a sudden, they want to hear what this little man's got to say. Maybe he was somebody important. Maybe he was somebody we should have said, son, what's your name? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. But he, got, he disappears from the scene. And they searched high and low. High and low. Everything was dying. And you see, at the word of this prophet, by the name of Elijah, the earth turned to iron and the heavens as brass. And things begin to die. And as you walk through the land, you would see death and disease, sickness, the water was gone. The livestock was dying. There was no grain in the fields. There was nothing to feed God's people. We know they were starving because of the little widow's story with Elijah. Remember what she says? I'm going to just cook this last little thing we have left, and then me and my son are going to eat and die. It was perilous times. And now they were searching. Listen, this king was searching high and low. High and low. What do we learn about Elijah? Stepping out. Five things I want to give you today. Five things. The first thing that I want us to see, and as you minister out where you are, is the voice, the voice of righteousness. The voice of righteousness. The voice of righteousness steps out and it doesn't seek a platform. There are so many today wanting to seek a platform, wanting to be known. Rather than the message of God. Listen, the day that we forget we're just the messenger, we're not the message, God will not use us. God will not use us in ministry. And so this man steps out. He is the voice of righteousness. Where's the other voices? They're hiding in a cave. They're afraid. We have too many of us today hiding in America, in this country. We claim to belong to God, and we might even belong to God, but we're in hiding today. We're afraid of the penalties. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of what it's going to cost us, so we're hiding. And so these men, a hundred of them, were hiding. And Obadiah, the one that was out in public, and yes, he was feeding them, and he secretly tucked them away, but he was living without challenge in the face of an evil leader. Without challenge. And so here Elijah came onto the scene, the voice of righteousness, and all of a sudden he disappears. Well, when the land is dying and we're under that judgment of God, and by the way, when God withholds rain, God has a purpose in it. God has a purpose in it. And when the heavens were shut up, what did they want? 
What did they need? They needed a rainmaker. They needed the rainmaker. And so this evil king, he seeks the land. He searches. First King chapter 18 tells us he searched the land high and low looking for this little rainmaker. Because you know what? They needed rain. They needed rain. So we see the voice of righteousness. And I want to say this to all of you because you know what? When we're in ministry, it's very easy. Today, it would have been very easy for me to say, to tell you about Pam Jenkins. So the audience can engage and the audience can, can feel a connection with you. But I have to stop and ask myself, I don't want you to have a connection with me. I want you to have a connection with the Lord. It doesn't matter what you know about me. It doesn't matter. And so Elijah steps out. Don't be any more or any less before others than you are before God. Don't do it. Don't do it. My granny, my little granny used to say, don't put on pretense and you won't have to pretend. (laughs) Granny was a deep theologian of her day. (laughs) Don't put on any pretense and you don't have to pretend. Be who you are. And Elijah steps out. It was his way. If you follow the life of Elijah, he was direct and to the point. When he was choosing a predecessor that God led him to, he just slung his cloak on him. Just hurled it at him. Slapped him in the face with it. He was that kind of guy. I kind of like him. I kind of like Elijah because he doesn't mince words. And so the voice of righteousness is needed. Psalm 11.3 tells us this. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations, and you see the foundations of the altars of God, the nation of Israel was divided. They were worshiping up on Mount Carmel, the side, the nation of Israel. They were no longer going to Jerusalem. And so they were worshiping up on Mount Carmel. And there the altars of the living God had been torn down and replaced with the altars of Baal and the Ashtaroth. And there they raised them up in defiance to God. As such a defiance in the land. And I want to tell you something. I, I, I'm not trying to be politically offensive. But across this nation that is one nation under God. We are raising altars above the living God. Our land is flooded with pagan altars. We have to speak truth, don't we? Because you see, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There's a time that we need to wake up. And so Elijah, God comes to Elijah. Listen, three and a half years have passed. And he comes to him in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 8. And we're told that after many days, three and a half years, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. I will send rain on the earth. Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Now listen, it takes more than guts, more than mere guts to stand before people and say, when you leave here today, it's not going to be any dew on the ground, and there's not going to be any rain, except by my word. You got to know, listen, you got to know that God has told you to do it. And by the way, in verse 36 of chapter 18, Elijah says, God, I've done all these things because you've told me to. We know Elijah's not acting on his own. It's, it's God doing it. And so it takes more than guts. It takes a spiritual courage to be the voice of righteousness today. It takes a spiritual courage. These are not the times to be faint-hearted And so what's the second thing we see? God comes to Elijah and he makes this magnificent promise. If you will go show yourself to Ahab. Now Ahab was looking to kill him. He was kind of upset with this little rainmaker. He was losing his kingdom. Things were dying. His people were dying. The livestock was dying. And so they're searching for this little rainmaker high and low and they couldn't find him. And so now God comes to him. And he says, he gives him a mighty promise. If you'll go show yourself to your enemy, to this evil one, if you'll go show yourself, I will send rain. So we see not only the voice of righteousness, 
but we see the voice of promise. 1 Corinthians 1.9 tells us that God is ever true to his, his promises. I can imagine because Elijah had been tucked away as he came back and he began to survey the land. And he walks through the land and he's looking at all the devastation. I can imagine that his, he was probably taken back some as he walked upon the desolate places, seeing the altars of God torn down, seeing where the prophets were slain, they were killed because God was so hated and God's word was so rejected. But God comes and God gives him a promise. And he says, if you'll go show yourself to Ahab, I will make it rain. Do you know what God tells us that the word show means? here in the Hebrew language, it means to appear, to come out of the shadows. To come out of the shadows. You see, God is always waiting. God is always seeking for someone who's willing to step out of the shadows, take a hold of a promise Because God extends himself to us through his promises. He avails himself to us. He gives all of himself to us in his promises. And Elijah had this promise. If I go show myself, if I come out of the shadows, then God will send the rain. There comes a time when we've got to come out of hiding. And we've got to stop running. That we have to somewhere... Take a stand for God and not run away anymore and not be silent anymore to stand for God somewhere where we are. And this is what Elijah did. Elijah believed in the promises of God. And in ministry, that's the first order of business for you is that you believe in the promises of God. It will not be people that will hold you. It will not be people that see you through the dark times. It will not be people that carry this country into the future. It will be the promises of God and how we cling to them. They're our lifeline. And Elijah knew this. And Elijah stepped out because he had the promise of God. Had the promise of God. And you know, our country, our country was founded on these things. Founded on these things. Our very first president prayed a prayer of dedication over this country saying if we turn against the ordinances of God how can we expect the smiles of heaven George Washington said that he wrote that in his first inaugurational speech you see God has given us his mighty promises we need the voice of promise in our hearts today have you forgotten the promises of God sometimes in ministry it's easy to do isn't it There were some travelers that had gone to Palestine, and I I love this account that I read about these travelers, and they visited the ancient city of Shechem. And they said, you know what? There's a marvelous thing about the city of Shechem. Below the streets, there's these running rivers of life-giving water. But during the day, in the noise and all the hustle and bustle, the busyness of life, the challenges of life, nobody knows that right below them, Underneath their feet are living waters. You can't hear them. But in the darkness, in the shadows of night, they say if you get still long enough, you can hear the running waters below the street. You see, if God gives a promise, and for you to do something so brave, how inspiring when God gives us a hard thing to do. But you know where your inspiration should come from? The promises of God. Elijah had a promise. You see, our world doesn't need more knowledge. Pardon the expression, but we're full of that. We're full of that. We have a lot of knowledge. What the world needs today is a message. And it's a message that God is crying out for the righteous to rise up and take a hold of a promise. Take a hold of a promise. And this is what we see that Elijah did. Elijah said, God, you've spoken. And you know what? I believe you. I believe you. What God could do 
with a woman who will say to God, I believe you. I believe you. God, I believe you. 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 I will not put my trust in man. Because you know what? The promises of God will not fail you. Man will fail you, but God will not fail you. We need the voice of the righteous. We need the voice of promise. Speaking it to our heart every day. Get a hold of a promise. And you know what? God will get a hold of you. He will. That's good theology right there. You get a hold of a promise of God. And you know what? He'll get a hold of you. My granny used to say that all the time. I never realized it until she was gone to heaven. The things that she said. Her nuggets. And I have her Bible. And any time before I'm going to speak, I don't study in her Bible. Because, you know, you didn't go to heaven In God's eyes, unless you use the Holy King James. (laughs) I never told her for years. I used the New American Standard. I was afraid she'd disown me. Listen, no offense to that. I love the King James. Um, But she she had her, her Bible was the only thing I wanted. And any time I'm going to speak, I'll go in the night hours and I'll get her Bible. And I'll open it up. Tear stains upon each page where she has pled the promises of God. Living on the promises. And she'd say, child, you get a hold of promise. And God, one of God's promises and he'll get a hold of you. You hold on to it and he'll hold on to you. You cling to it and he'll cling to you. You stand on it and he'll cause you to stand for him. You get a hold of a promise. And now all of a sudden, when you get back to Kings 18, all of a sudden something's changed. The atmosphere has changed. Because the king is no longer looking for the rainmaker. 1 Kings 18, it tells us these words. He said, Ahab tells Obadiah in verse 5, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we'll find grass and keep the horses and mules alive. Do you know what he was doing? Rather than looking for the much-needed rainmaker, he was looking to the world to meet his needs. He was looking for the waters of the earth rather than the waters of heaven. He'd stopped looking for the rainmaker. He'd started looking for the waters of the earth. Are we not living in those times that people are looking to the world to meet their deepest needs? Their deepest needs when the world will never satisfy and all along beneath them, all along beneath them are the living waters. The living waters of God. The only waters that can satisfy. Jesus knew this of that woman that came down that well that day right at the base of Mount Carmel. A woman is from Samaria, John chapter 4. And he tells her, if you would have but asked me, I would have given you the rain. I would have given you the living waters if you would have just asked him. In all that you do, in all the ministry, in all the serving, are you asking him? Are you asking him to give you the living waters? Because, listen, we can't give the living waters. We are not the living waters. He's the living waters. We've got to give Jesus. We've got to give Jesus. And Elijah knew this because after all that God's people had done, I love what Elijah does because God comes to him and he says, if you go show yourself, I will send the rain. So Elijah goes. We have the voice of of the righteous, the voice of righteousness. We have this voice of promise. But now we have the voice of challenge. Because Elijah steps up, and listen, he has the promise, but he steps up and he says, Now you all, come near. Now you see, if I had seen that in our flesh, what would we have wanted to say? What my papa used to say, you sorry sacks of salt. You have turned away. You ain't worth saving. 
you're going to deserve what you're getting and the fire's coming and you deserve it. No, that's not what Elijah did. Elijah never condemned anyone. He didn't. But he steps up. He steps up. And he calls God's people to draw near. But he doesn't only call God's people to draw near in verse 21. It says he came near to all the people. All the people. And he gets them to call the pagan prophets. I love that. Listen, the pagans need a witness of God too. The pagans need a witness of God. Do you know I'm reminded we are so afraid as Christians that the judgment of God is coming and eventually the judgment does have to come. But it will not be, it will not be because, simply because of the evil in the land that God's judgment comes. And you find this in the story of Abraham with Lot, with Sodom and Gomorrah, and he appeals to God, will you, will you bring judgment if so many are in the land? And you remember he goes through the numbers and he gets down to Lot's number and his family. You see, it will not be the presence of evil that brings the judgment of God. It will be the absence of the righteous. It will be the absence of the righteous. That's why a voice of righteousness is needed. A voice, listen, a voice, the voice of promise, but the voice of challenge. We're so trained today to be politically correct, to want to say things. Oh, I can't say sin. Oh, I can't say you're lost. I can't say certain words. Oh, I can't mention hell. We can't say that. I might offend. I can't call them lost. I've got to call them seekers. I've got to call them this and this. Listen, if you do that, come see me afterwards. We'll straighten it out. I'll talk with you. But we're so afraid of being offensive. Listen, now's the time to be offensive. Now's the time to challenge. And this is what Elijah did. Elijah comes and he says, because you have forsaken the commandments of God, This is why he has withheld rain from you. You've brought the trouble on yourself. The Christians aren't the troublers. You're the troubler. You're the one. And so he steps up and he says, people, draw near. Come near. I want you to see what God does. And if you know the story, you can't help but chuckle when you read it. And those false prophets, they all danced around. He says, bring us two sacrifices and the one that answers with fire then he is God. He's God. And so we know what the prophets did. Boy, they hooped and they, they did a thing. They did a thing around and around and around. And they hollered and they carried on. And Elijah mocked a little bit. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's busy. Holler a little louder. So they did all of these things to their bodies and they wailed and they hooped and hollered. Listen. It is not the noise that you make that will bring down the fire from heaven. Noise has nothing to do with it. You can make all the noise and hoopla you want. I'm not into all the hoopla. Listen, do I believe in praising God? Oh, yes. Listen, we call it, if you get real happy and you say something in our our Bible studies, if you get real happy, we call it slapping Ethel. Just look at your neighbor and let her have it. If it's a good point. We were doing a women's conference in Mexico, and the whole week, they loved it. They loved this slapping thing. They loved it. And all week long, we we were taking them through a Bible study, and they would get a good point, and they would... In the church, they would pack in every night, and on this last night, they lined up. Because I said, listen, if you are praising God, and you love the truth, slap your neighbor. So they'd been told this all week long. And the last night we were there, there they did. They lined up down the aisle. And it was me and two other ladies. Melissa and Debbie were with me. We lined up there. And they were going to tell us goodbye. And they were crying. They got up to me. Me. And listen, that's 400 women. I looked at Debbie and Melissa one time and I said, I don't think I can make it to the airplane in the morning. 
they meant it with all the love and fervor of heaven. But I don't like deadness. Listen, I believe in praising the Lord. We should be happy in the Lord. But it's not the noise that brings the fire down. That's not what God does. And so Elijah, now it's Elijah's turn. And listen, Elijah goes right up there. He goes right up there. He has the voice of challenge. And he says, God is God. And he will bring the fire. And he goes atop Mount Carmel. And this is one of my favorite parts in the whole story. He looks at the altar, but he doesn't start rebuilding or building a new altar. He repairs the old. Do you know what he's doing? He's returning to the faith, to the roots. He's going to the roots of Israel. This is what God wants us to do in this country. We got to return. Listen, we don't need new altars. We need to rebuild the ones that are broken. The ones that are torn down. And he rebuilds the altar. He rebuilds the altar. And what do we see? We see this. He had the voice of challenge, but he had the voice of faith. God, I want to return to the roots. I want to go back from where we have strayed. And he looks at God's people in that challenge and he says, How long will you hesitate? Between two opinions. If God is God, then follow him. Follow him. Do you know what follow there means? Follow means to strip off what you've been doing. Lay it aside. Deny yourself, your former manner of life. Come out of the shadows and walk with God. Walk with God. That's what he's saying. If he's your God, then follow him. Why are you not following God? That's what Elijah was asking. God is God, and he's alive, and I stand before him face to face. And if he is your God, listen to me, hear me when I say this with all the love of heaven. If God is your God, then honor him by following him. Follow him with everything within you, even if it costs you your life. We don't need new altars. You know, churches every day in America are closing their doors. Hundreds of preachers are quitting every day because of the dark times we're living in. There's a cost to stand for God now. Fifty years ago, there wasn't. There is now. There's a cost. But until God's people stand up and say, enough is enough. I will be the voice of challenge. I will be the voice of faith. I will be the voice of righteousness. I will be the voice of promise. Because you can trust God in all places, even the hard places. So Elijah gets up on this mountain. He gets up on this mountain. And, of course, nothing happens. Listen, there's no power in the things of the world. We don't have to fear those things. We don't have to fear those things. And Elijah was calling down. He said, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Do you know what God is showing us? If we want the rain to come, The fire must come first. The fire precedes the rain. Fire precedes the rain. Why? Because fire is a symbol of purging and coming back to God. The only time that we have an intolerance to holiness is because we have a tolerance for unholiness. That's the only time. If we don't have a tolerance for holiness, if we can't tolerate, if we have an intolerance rather for holiness, then it's because we have a tolerance for unholiness. You see, we've tolerated unholiness in our land, in the work that God so mightily wants to do. But listen, it starts with us. It starts with us right here today. You at these tables... Because God wants to use you to bring down the fire. Our altars, listen, unless the fire comes. And my little granny used to pray for the fire. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it in my younger years. Granny, why were you so desperate for the fire? Because my granny was a praying woman. And she'd pray, oh God, send down the fire. Spoken like a true country, fire. Send down the fire. Send it down, Lord, she would say. 
And she'd say, pray until God sends the fire. And I think she knew that unless the fire falls upon our altars again, that the rain will not come. Which means our sacrifices to God must be acceptable. They must be acceptable. How many of us are sacrificing the wrong things? Or to the wrong things? When all God wants is you. How many times God deals with us. And listen, I'd hold up my legs and my hands. The preacher preaches. And he says, if sin's in your life or this or this. And I have a, 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 an issue that I need to make right with the Lord. I'll go to the altar and I can plead with God and plead and plead. And I can put it on the altar. God, I just give you this situation. I turn around and walk away. And the next day, the situation's still back. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. I go back another time the next Sunday, and I put it on the altar again. And this goes on for a while until God finally showed me one day, I don't want your junk. I want you. You're putting everything on the altar but you. Put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. You see, so we need, we need that voice of faith. We do need that voice of righteousness, that voice of promise, that voice of challenge, the voice of faith. What makes us rainmakers? I believe it's in what we see Elijah doing here on on the top of Mount Carmel. You see, he had a promise of God. He had a promise of God. But yet we see him after the fire falls down. What do we see happening? He tells King Ahab, listen, you just go eat. You go back to the things of the world. And Elijah goes and he falls on his knees. And he puts his head, his face between his knees. And he begins to cry out to God. He begins to cry out to God. But God had already told him, what's he crying for? The rain. But God had already told him, I'm going to send the rain. And when I was studying this and asking God, I always asked God, what is the message? What is the message? What is the message? This is what we see Elijah doing to his servant. Go and look. He cries out to God, send the rain, Lord. Would you send it now? The fire has fallen on the altars. Your people have come back to you. I love that God, even in the midst of their wickedness, said, draw near. Come near. God could have slain every one of them, but he didn't. But he said, draw near. And they turned back to God. And so now Elijah knows that because there's been a repentance, that God can send the rain. And he cries out and he sends his servant to say, go look. Tell me what you see. I don't see anything. Elijah keeps pleading, keep pleading. Seven times he sends him back. And finally on that seventh time he comes back and he says, Master, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. We had seen that three and a half years. You'll never believe what I see on the horizon. I want us to get this. When a nation has turned away from God, there's no claiming the promises There must be a pleading of the promises. Elijah doesn't claim it even though God's already made a promise. He pleads the promises of God. In humility he bows before God because he knows they're unworthy of the rain. We can't be so brazen. It's a time, listen, not of claiming the promises, but bowing low before God and pleading them. Pleading them now, say, hour to plead the promises of God. And he pled them over and over seven times. Lord, send the rain. Lord, send the rain. Send the rain. Send the rain. Send the rain. And finally, what is seen by the servant. The servants of God will begin to see a change. Never despise small beginnings. Because that little cloud started about the size of a hand. And it grew and grew and grew. And he said, a shower's coming. And listen, the rain did pour down. It's pleading the promises of God. There was a preacher that wanted to go and visit the church of a pastor in Scotland. And he he wanted to see 
what he did. What was his secret? What was his secret? Pastor McShane. And he goes to visit his, his, his church. And he died at a very young age. A lot of people don't know a lot about this man because he died in his 30s. But God used him mightily. And this young preacher wanted to learn. And the servant that attended the church and the mighty man of God who had died, he was now older, but he was still working in that little church. And he said, I want to know your master's secret because the church attendant called him his master. I want to know his secret. And he said, you want to know his secret? He goes, yeah. He said, come with me. And he took him to this little preacher's study quarters. And he said, now sit there. That's the master's chair. Sit right there. Now open up the word of God. And he said, now put your elbows on the table. Put your face in your hands. He said, now let the tears flow. Let the tears flow. That's how the master used to do it. And he said, now see this place over here, this one place on the floor. Now get down on your knees. Get down on your knees. And he said, and you get down on your knees. Now you put your face in your hands and you cry out. And you let the tears flow. That's how the master did it. And he said, now come with me one more place. And he took him into the church. He said, now stand up there in that pulpit. And he stood behind the pulpit. He said, that's where the master used to stand. He said, now open up the word of God. Put your face in your hands. And let the tears flow. You plead the promises. Don't claim them. Until you learn to plead, that's where power comes from when you plead the promises of God. When you plead the promises of God. If you and I could join hands and we could walk the land of our country, much like Elijah did that day, when God said, you've got a promise, son. I've already told you, if you do this, I'll send the rain. Sin means just to unleash The fountains of heaven. I'll unleash it if you'll go show yourself. And as Elijah's walking through those desolate places, if me and you could walk our country, what would we see? We would see Christians in hiding, much like Elijah's day, afraid, fear. We would see the mighty ones of God silent while the wicked has its way. While they begin to tear down the altars of God, we would hear nothing. Because when Elijah first called them, they didn't answer him a word. Who do you follow? Well, they wouldn't answer. You see, we want an unobtrusive gospel. We want all the blessings of God without the intrusion of God. So if we would walk the land, what would we see? We would see anything goes, wouldn't we? Whatever makes you happy. Whatever fulfills your desires, the altars of God torn down, the glory of God slowly departing, thousands of innocent babies being killed daily, turning away from our values and our godly heritages, the altars need to be repaired. Where we've allowed them to be torn down, the altars need to be repaired. And so what I know that God's message for you today is is that God wants to raise up rainmakers. He wants to raise up rainmakers. He wants to raise up rainmakers. Why? Because God wants to send the rain. We don't need more knowledge. We don't need more programs. It will not be those things that brings the rain down. It will be that person that's willing to not make a name for themselves, but to step out of the shadows, even if you're alone, and say this is wrong. And to challenge, stand for God. It will take that rainmaker pleading the promises of God because they've had the voice of promise. God wants to make you rainmakers. You see, never have we needed the rainmaker than we do now. But oftentimes when we go through the land, we've stopped looking for the rainmaker and we've begun looking to the things of the world. 
to fix our problems, to be the answer. But rain comes from above. So if I could tell you anything today is start seeking the rain from above, not from below. You see, Pam Jenkins is a nobody. I'm a nobody. But he's my everything. And if God will get a hold of you, if you'll let him, then you'll get a hold of God in your ministries and in your life, and God will make it rain. God will make it rain. God will make it rain. As our dancers are coming, as our dancers are coming, I want us to remember something very vital. That in the heart of all of this, God's heart was to save And as you're out there ministering and you're serving the Lord, you're working for him. I want you to remember that God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. He's for you. And God wants to send the rain. God wants to send the rain. Would you lift your hands to heaven with me? And our dancers are going to close us out today. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise. You're the precious rainmaker. God, raise us up to be mighty forces on the earth. God, to you be all the glory in the church and in our lives forevermore. We give you the honor, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.